Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, AEW Collision, and Impact Wrestling. Now, without further ado, let's start the show, Raw. Raw will start off with the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins. He's supposed to issue his open challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship, but that does not happen because Finn Balor would attack Seth Rollins from behind before anything. So Finn does this. He attacks Seth. He throws him outside of the ring. He hits three coup de grace on Seth. He would hit one off the commentary table and then two off the steel steps. He would hit those two off the steel steps by getting a nice running form, and then he'll jump off the steel steps and then hit him with it. And the coup de grace, they were nice. They looked sick. I hope Finn keeps those uh, coup de grace, the running one, more specifically, off the steel steps in his repertoire because that just looks like it would hurt someone extremely, and it looked like it hurt Seth badly because Seth would not be able to defend uh, the World Heavyweight Championship on Monday Night Raw. But before the night was over, we would hear from the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins, and he would announce that he will be going to NXT to defend the World Heavyweight Championship against Braun Breaker. So that match is still on for NXT. Now, we will get the first match of the night, The Miz. The Miz will come out, and he's upset because Seth isn't defending the World Heavyweight Championship in the Open Challenge. So Miz decides to issue his own Open Challenge to anyone. And a returning... Tommaso Ciampa will come out, and Tommaso would take that challenge. Tommaso was out for nine months with hip surgery. The commentary team would, like, inform the crowd of that. And Ciampa would win the match by pinfall by using the fairy tale ending, which is a double underhook forward slam on the Miz. And it's good to see Ciampa back. People like Ciampa, and hopefully he gets put in a better position than he was last year when he was just Miz's lackey, but time will tell with that, right? Now, next up, what's the Judgment Day? Judgment Day will come out on the stage, and Finn will say that he attacks Seth because he doesn't want Seth to defend the title against anyone but him, and Finn wants to be the one to take the title off of Seth. Then we move over to Dom and Nick Mysterio, and Dom would just tell Cody that Cody needs to find two partners because Dom is issuing a six-man challenge in the main event. So later in the night, Cody will come out. He says that he accepts, and we will find out that his Tag partners will be the Undisputed Tag Team Champions, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So we have that match to look forward to. Now, the second match would be Caden Carter and Katana Chance going against a team of Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Caden and Katana would win the match by pinfall by using the Neckbreaker 450 combo for the win. Then we walk to our third match will be Indus Sheer with Jinder Mahal going against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Indusheer would win the match by pinfall using a sidewalk slam elbow drop combo on Shelton Benjamin for the win. Next up, we have Logan Paul. Logan Paul will be in the ring on top of a ladder. Long story short, Logan Paul will say that he made a couple phone calls to executives in WWE, and now he is a part of the Money in the Bank ladder match. Then you will see all of the Money in the Bank participants come out except Damian Priest, so that will mean Santos Escobar, Ricochet, Nakamura, Butch, L.A. Knight will come out, and L.A. Knight got the biggest pop of the whole entire night, in my opinion. Because when L.A. Knight's music hit, the fans went stupid nuts, and Knight's are just over. He's extremely over. Anyway, the brawl, this thing would turn into a brawl. 
in Logan Paul would be the last man standing. He would climb the ladder and he would just grab the briefcase and he would pose with it. So that gives us a look into the future of what could happen at Money in the Bank. I hope it doesn't. I hope LA Knight uh, wins the briefcase, to be honest with you, because LA Knight is so over. The fans love him and he really could be the next megastar, at least in Showtime fame of entertainment for WWE. Seriously. But that's all if WWE wants that to happen, and they need to pull the trigger now. The same way that AEW did with last year with the Acclaim. When the Acclaim got hot in their angle with uh, Swerving Our Glory at All Out, you saw literally within the next couple weeks at the Grand Slam, the Acclaim won the tag titles away from Swerving Our Glory, and they were just riding that wave of momentum. WWE needs to do the exact same thing with LA Knight. They need to ride that wave, but again... This is the WWE, and they got their own set of rules of how they do things, but we'll have to wait and see at Money in the Bank. Next up, Matt Riddle going against Ludwig Kaiser with Gunther in their corner. Riddle would win the match by pinfall using the Bro Derek, which is a forward tombstone slam for the win. After the match, Gunther would get in the ring and attack Riddle from behind. Gunther would go after Riddle's left leg, trying to break it. Ludwig would hold Riddle down as Gunther would stomp on the leg. So that might put a damper on their Money in the Bank matchup. I'm not certain if they're going to have a match. It just seems that usually with storylines, they kind of build it up to the next pay-per-view for that match to happen. I just think Gunther versus Riddle in London would make sense. But again, we'll have to wait and see if that match ever does get confirmed. Now, after this, we have the Alpha Academy with Maxine Dupree in their corner going against the Viking Raiders with Valhalla in theirs. Viking Raiders would win the match by pinfall when Chad Gable had the advantage. Valhalla would get on the ring apron. Maxine would grab her and then hit a suplex outside of the ring. Now, Chad would be proud. Otis would be proud. Chad would be too proud to not see Eric grab him and then hit him with a knee behind the head. And that's how the Viking Raiders would win the match here. Next up, Rhea Ripley going against Natalya, but that match never takes place. Thanks to Rhea Ripley attacking Natalya from behind. Rhea would throw Natalya into the barricade, into the steps, into the ring, and then Rhea would finish off Natalya with the riptide and leave Natalya laying in the ring here. I don't like how they're doing Natalya. Natalya is a veteran. Her and Tamina are like the only two like lasting veterans on the main roster. I mean, Trish, she just popped back in, but Natalia and Tamina are like the vet vets in my eyes. So I don't understand why they're doing this to Natalia. I feel that Natalia will be better off going probably to another company like to Impact or AEW. And I know uh, AEW, they will use her as a mentor for one of their younger talents to prop them up into stardom or at least in a way they need to get them going. In Impact, I can see Natalia having good matches over there and actually being a star player over there if they, if Natalia wants to have that happen. But I just don't like the disrespect WWE's been doing to Natalia because Natalia has always been giving some crappy, like, gimmicks or crappy storylines, and Natalia just went out there and did them. And right now, I just don't like her being this veteran that keeps on getting poo-pooed on. But we'll have to wait and see with this uh, Natalia stuff. And if Natalia's contract is up, I would suggest not signing it and probably going over to AEW or Impact and doing what you got to do. But if you like the WWE money like that, and everybody probably do, uh, stay there. Now, next up, Money in the Bank qualifier between Raquel Rodriguez and Trish Stratus, who has Zoe Starks in her corner. 
Trish would win the match by pinfall, well, not by pinfall, by disqualification, thanks in part to Becky Lynch. When Raquel was in control of the match, Zoe would interfere by sweeping the leg of Raquel when the ref wasn't looking. This would then lead to Becky Lynch running down to the ring and attacking Zoe Starks. Trish would see this, leave the ring to try to help out Zoe. Becky would grab Trish, throw her into the barricade. The ref would see it and call for the bell. So Trish now advances to the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, after this, we had Shinsuke Nakamura going against Bronson Reed. Bronson would win the match by pinfall by using the tsunami for the win. Ricochet would be out here watching the match the same way that Nakamura did last week. And again, Bronson Reed just played these two guys against one another. That's the reason how he was able to win the match up here the same way that he did last week. And I don't know if they were setting up for a triple threat match between Bronson, Nakamura, and Ricochet next week. And if Bronson win, he gets added into the Money in the Bank ladder match. I don't know. It wasn't announced, but I can see that happening. But if that doesn't happen, I don't know what we're doing with these three guys here. You're just throwing these three guys into something to kill time. I mean, that's cool and all, but something for these three guys who have a lot of potential. Ricochet and Bronson Reed, we know they have a lot of potential. Nakamura, he has a lot of potential, and we all see it from his NXT days to now. The main roster stuff just hasn't kicked in for him like it was NXT, but those three guys have a lot of potential. I just don't know what we're doing with these three. That's all I'm just trying to say with this. Are they trying to put Bronson into the money in the bank? Are they not? Are they just trying to kill time with these three? Maybe. I don't know. Um, off to the main event. Six-man tag. Judgment Days, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, Finn Balor with Ray Ripley in their corner going against Cody Rhodes and the Unified Tag Team Champions, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Cody, Sammy, and KO would win the match by pinfall when Cody would hit Damian Priest with the crossroads for the win. Again, gives Cody some momentum going against Dom and Money in the Bank. Now he has a win over the Judgment Day. And you now have uh, Dominic, who now has to try to get some momentum. Damian, who has to try to get some momentum. Finn, who has momentum, still going into his match against Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. But it is puts the Judgment Day on a down after they were on such a high at the beginning and even at the middle of this show. So with that, that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to NXT, where this week's episode of NXT was part one of their Gold Rushed uh, special. Next week will be part two, their final. And next week, we will have Nathan Frazier defending the Heritage Cup against Dragon Lee, as well as, again, the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes, going against uh, Baron Corbin, Gigi Dolan going against Kiana James. Now, to start off part one, we will have the special guest referee North American Championship match of Wesley going against Tyler Bate. Mustafa Ali was the special guest ref. Wesley would win the match by pinfall using the cardiac kick to win. Mustafa Ali, as the special guest referee, was a great and really cheeky uh, choice, to be honest. Mustafa Ali, he comes to NXT, he's Talking about this is where competition lives. He's thinking about getting a fair shake. He just can't wait to be here and get his feet wet and all that good stuff to be a champion. So he gets his opportunity to be a special guest ref. And at first, my man would do a fast count on both Wes and Tyler Bate whenever they would get their pins on either man. And you would just see both Wes and Tyler looking at Mustafa when he does this. 
So that's the first penitence. The second penitence from both men. Now you got Mustafa trying to count slowly. And again, you would get both men looking at Mustafa trying to wonder what type of game is he playing here. Now, whenever you see Tyler Bate and Wes fighting outside of the ring, at first, Mustafa Ali doesn't count it. He wants to allow these two guys to continue to battle outside of the ring, and the crowd will start making the count like they were the refs. And Mustafa, he will play into it. He'll start counting slowly. One, two. That's the first. And then towards the end of the match, now Mustafa Ali is acting like a normal down-the-middle referee. And you see Tyler Bate and Wes both, like, knocked down. You see Tyler Bate in the ring, Wesley outside of the ring. Uh, Mustafa will start making the count for outside of the ring for Wesley to get in. And at the count of five, Mustafa just went outside of the ring. It's like, grab Wesley up, put him against the barricade, start slapping the ever-loving piss out of him, telling him to get up, fight, get in the ring, and fight like a man. And then he'll get bad in the ring, and uh, Mustafa will go over to Tyler starts slapping him up to tell him to get up and continue to fight. And that's when Wes will hit the cardiac kick on Tyler Bate. So this was a nice match between Wes and Tyler. But the real important piece of this match was Mustafa Ali being the special guest ref. So we know Mustafa more than likely is going to be the next guy to get a shot at the North American Championship. But I would like to hear Mustafa's explanation next week on NXT. Because you know we're going to get a segment somewhere down the line on that. Next up will be a Chase U Pep rally for Thea Hale, as Thea is going against Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship next week. This was hosted by Duke Hudson. Duke will say a lot of nice things about Thea. Duke will say that Thea will become the youngest NXT Women's Champion next week at the age of 19. Thea would give thanks to Andre Chase for believing in her. Duke for taking care of her as Andre is gone. Then finally give credit to both Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey for pushing her to train to her limit. Then the champion NXT Women's Champion, Tiffany Stratton, will come out and start poo-pooing on the idea of Tiffany winning the championship next week. Tiffany would go so far as to get in the face of Thea and tell her that next week she isn't going to tap her out. That's when Thea would just lock in the Kamara lock and Tiffany would start tapping out on the mat so she can just escape and roll out of the ring. So Thea has this advantage. She has momentum going into her women's uh, championship match against Tiffany next week. Tiffany's going to win. Next week, that's just what's going to happen because Tiffany just started her reign as Women's Champion. It will be a complete shocker if they do put the belt on Thea, but I don't see it. But I expect them to have a good match with each other. And also, this segment right here proved that Tiffany Stratton, she plays off well um, against other people. Left to her own devices in the middle of the ring, she still has to work on her mic skills by herself. But whenever she's playing off people... She's excellent. So if they continue along with that during her reign, that'll be great for her to prop her up to being that uh, mean girl, kind of clueless champion in a way. Now, next up, number one contenders for the tag team championships is a triple threat tag match. Teams Briggs and Jensen going against Team Tank and Hank going against Malik and Idris. Malik and Idris would win the match by pinfall when Idris would break up a pin attempt with an elbow drop. Then Malik would hit Tank with a frog splash for the win. Great match between all six of these guys, but Malik and Idris are getting their shot. And hopefully next week, they do become tag team champions because out of all the teams down here, Malik and Idris, they've been teaming, I want to say the longest. If not the longest, Briggs and Jensen teamed the longest, but Malik and Idris, they haven't won gold. Briggs and Jensen, they actually did. They held 
uh, NXT UK Tag Team Championship gold. So I hope Malik and Idris uh, win the match next week and they become champions finally because they've been putting in that hard work, especially after last year. They had a hard-fought match with um, the Viking Raiders when the Viking Raiders came down to NXT. And you thought, okay, they're on their way to at least doing something with Malik and Idris, but no. So now with they getting this opportunity, hopefully next week they become champions. Now, after this, we had Cora Jade going against Dana Brooke. Cora would win the match by referee stoppage when Cora would lock in a single-leg Boston Crab on Dana. Dana had a hurt knee in this match. By the middle of the match, you saw Dana uh, hold on to her knee. The ref would call down the medical staff to come down there to get Dana out of the ring. It got to the point that Dana would be on a stretcher, and Cora, being the mean girl, being the Eric Cartman of the NXT Women's Division, would just constantly just taunt and mock Dana as they're trying to roll her out of the uh, ring to the back. But Dana would just slap Cora and then just muscle on through. But Cora would get a single leg Boston Crab on Dana, lock it in. Dana wouldn't quit. So the referee would have to ring the bell for Dana's safety. That's how Cora Jade would win the match here. Next up, we have the face-off between the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes and Baron Corbin. And these guys would just throw shots at each other. You had Melo throwing shots at Corbin for being happy Corbin on the main roster, going the internet route. Corbin would have a retort to that, saying happy Corbin got him a $1.8 million home that now provides him and his family. And that's something that these young 20-some-odd guys, 20-year-old some-odd guys in NXT don't understand. Their little light jabs they don't pierce nothing. And Corbin would then talk about bank account to bank account with Melo, talk about accomplishment to accomplishments with Melo, that nothing in any category that Melo has can match up to what Baron Corbin is capable to do because Corbin has been doing this almost for a whole decade and he's been doing it almost in the whole decade of the main roster. Melo would say, you know what, you're right. You got time on your side and let's think about it. At 26, I came here. And I won the NXT breakout tournament. I cashed in and I won my first championship. But at the age of 26 for you, you were getting cut by the Arizona Cardinals. And that would be a dig. And Melo would also stick to something with the internet by saying, listen, I understand it's always the black and gold versus us type guys. And that's not something I want to continue to happen because, listen, you guys set the bar. But I'm not going to try to go up at your guys' bar because I don't try to live for other people. I live for me. I try to set my own standards. So that is something that people need to understand too. Again, people that haven't been watching NXT since Black and Gold era, I understand it, but you guys do need to tune in because you guys are missing great, excellent television. Um, at the end of the jabs back and forth between both of these guys, uh, Baron would say that next week he plans on winning the championship, taking it home to his big home, and drinking a bottle that Melo can't afford, and finish off by saying that it was a good day. So we have this nice confrontation between both of them. Corbin, Melo, they do the job to sell the match up, and now it throws off in your head of, is Baron going to win the championship next week? Because it hasn't been, it's not like main roster guys hasn't come up to NXT just to win a championship. New Day did it, Dolph Ziggler did it last year, Corbin could be the first guy to do it in 2023 for uh, NXT, but we'll have to wait and see next week, or will Melo retain his championship? We'll just have to wait and see for that. Next up, tag matchup of Valentina Perez and Elisa Leon 
going against Jakar Jackson and Lash Legend, who will have Oral Mensa and Noam Dar of their Metaphor stablemates in their corner. Lash Legend and Jakar Jackson would win the match by pinfall, with Lash Legend hitting Alyssa Leon with a pump kick for the win. Now we're off to the main event, the World Heavyweight Championship match. Challenger Braun Breaker going against the champion, Seth Rollins. Seth would retain his World Heavyweight Championship by pinfall when he would catch Braun Breaker coming off the top rope and hit him with a super kick, then hit him with two curb stomps to put Braun Breaker down. This was a great way to end off NXT for the World Heavyweight Championship. Braun and Seth, they threw everything out there. This was like a match that you will see on the main roster that you will see them give them extra time to make someone feel important. That's what they did here for Braun Breaker. Braun was giving Seth everything. Seth put Braun through the announce table with a frog splash. You saw Braun give Seth the Steiner recliner, the spear, and then the gorilla power slam. And all three of those moves could not put Seth away, even with Seth having a bad uh, ribs. None of those moves would put Seth away. And Seth, it took him two curb stomps to put Braun Breaker down. This just shows you, again, how much stock they really have in Braun Breaker. Even after the match, literally when the bell rung, he got a close-up like shot of Seth's face, and he just mouths off of what the... And then he looks at Braun, and the ref hands Seth the title. Seth gets up, and then he just looks down at Braun, and he says some words. And I can tell those are words of encouragement, because Seth's that type of guy. Seth like gives people words of encouragement if they do a good job and especially the job that Braun and Seth did on NXT they did a hell of a job to send the people home happy but that wouldn't be the last thing that would happen um Seth would hold up his world championship at the uh entrance ramp and it looks like NXT is about to go off but Finn Balor he would come out from the crowd and he would attack Seth from behind so Finn's not done with attacking Seth Finn would get a uh, steel chair, then hit Seth in the gut with it, then in the back. Then he would go up to the top rope looking to hit the coup de grace. But before he could do this, uh, Melo and Trick would come down to make sure Finn wouldn't do this. He would just see Finn walk directly to the back, but then still look at Seth. Seth would try to get at Finn, but Melo and Trick would grab Seth to make sure that wouldn't happen. And that's how NXT would go off. So we're continuing the Seth and Finn situation as their match is literally next week at Money in the Bank because they go off to England next week on Raw and SmackDown. I believe SmackDown, I know that, but Raw, I'm not so certain of. Hopefully they do, but I digress. Uh, they go off to England next week, Money in the Bank is next week with these guys, so we'll have to wait and see as they got one more episode of Raw to still deal with to see how they uh, continue on with Seth and Finn continuing with their business, and we'll see if they even get a match condition of the World Heavyweight Championship match at Money in the Bank. But we will see when time comes. But with that, that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now moving over to AEW Dynamite. But before I talk about Dynamite, I have to give a quick overview of Collision. Uh, last Saturday was the AEW Collision debut episode in Chicago. And the fans were going crazy as soon as Chicago uh, started chanting CM Punk. Punk came out. Punk came out wearing... Uh, wrestling gear, but he would have wrestling boots like draped around his neck and he would carry a red velvet bag. I think if you're listening to the show, you kind of already know what Punk said. Punk came out there. He started going 
and talking about what has happened for him these past months, talking about he's been away and he's been watching everything. And he talks about the last time you guys saw him, he had a tear uh, muscle off the bone and that he just had to recuperate. And he would take a couple shots here and there. He would say, I'm the only uh, true, true, genuine buck in a business full of counterfeit bucks. And he made a shot at uh, the Young Bucks. He didn't make a shot at Hangman. He kind of already did that in his ESPN uh, story. But the interesting note, he never said nothing or at least alluded to anything with Omega. So that tells you that Punk is at least cool or at least trying to be cool with Omega, that he didn't throw no shots towards him. But Hangman, he got it on the ESPN uh, story. Uh, the Bucks, they got it here on Collision. And Punk just basically just gave out his mission statement. He said, last time you guys saw me, I was holding up the world championship, and he would hold up the red bag, and he would insinuate that he has the original AEW world championship in the red bag, and he would say that I was the man who won the dog collar match, not just someone who participated in it, and he's throwing a shot at MGF, because MGF's whole claim to fame is that he's been in the best dog collar match, the best fatal four-way matchup, the best Ironman matchup, and now he is the world champion. And you can tell that Punk is going to go after MGF to declare the one real true world champion. But right now, that's just not on his uh, radar. But it will be. But we just got to give it time. After Punk will come out, we will get our first match of the night for the TNT Championship. Luchasaurus going against uh, Warlow. And Luchasaurus would win the match thanks in part to Christian Cage's help. When the referee wouldn't uh, wasn't paying attention, he was looking at Luchasaurus. Christian would get on the... Uh, turnbuckle and hit Warlow with a photographer's camera and that would disorientate Warlow would allow Luchasaurus to hit Warlow with a choke slam and now we have a new TNT champion after the match it was kind of funny to me because Luchasaurus never held up the TNT title it was only Christian Christian will hold it up and he's acting like he's the one true champion aka million dollar man style when Andre the Giant won the title off of Hogan years ago so that's what that reminded me of here. But again, Warlow and the TNT title is just that he keeps on losing it. And I expected it to lose here against Luchasaurus. I don't want to see how far we actually keep the title on Luchasaurus. And where do we uh, put Warlow at here now since this came about? Now, after that, you had Buddy Matthews going against Andrade El Idolo. This is Andrade's first time back in AEW for months. Apparently, he had some surgery. So that's the reason why he was out. Andrade would win the match by submission by locking in the figure eight on Buddy Matthews, and Buddy would tap out. After the match, Andrade would try to give Buddy some respect by getting Buddy to shake his hand. Buddy wouldn't do it, and then the lights would go out, and then House of Black would be in the ring once the lights popped back on. Once Andrade turned around, he saw Malachi, and then he saw Brody King. Brody would hit Andrade with a uh, clothesline. And you just see House of Black just leave Andrade there just on the mat. After that, you have the re-debut of Miro as Miro went against Tony Nese. Miro will make Nice tap out to the game over. So it was good to see Miro. Miro got another uh, hero's welcome of love in Chicago because people miss Miro. So hopefully uh, he gets a steady place on AEW Collision now. After that, you had a tag team matchup of Tony Storm and Ruby Soho going against Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue. Willow and 
uh, Sky would win the match by pinfall, and Sky Blue would hit uh, Cold Blue on Ruby Soho to win the matchup. Then we go to our main event. It is a trios match of CMFCR, which is CM Punk and the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, going against uh, the Ring of Honor Television Champion, Samoa Joe, and Bullet Club Gold's Jay White and Juice Robinson. CMFTR would win the match by pinfall, and CM Punk would hit Juice Robinson with the GTS. Solid, fun main event to end off collision. You had the dream trio of CM Punk and FTR. You had the one-on-one face-off with CM Punk and Samoa Joe. It's been almost two decades since these two guys literally went against one another. So it was nice to see that. And it just led into things that's going to happen as well into Dynamite. And speaking of Dynamite, we would go off with the first match, the Hardys going against the Guns. The Hardys will lose the match against the Guns, thanks in part to uh, Bullico Goad coming out to interfere. When Jeff Hardy was going to hit the Swanton on Colton, you would see Juice Robinson get on the ring apron and distract the referee. This will allow Jay White to push Jeff Hardy off the top turnbuckle, and then you will see the Gun Club hit 310 to Yuma on Jeff Hardy to win the match. Now, after the match, Jay will be leading everyone in attacking the Hardys. Jay will hit Matt Hardy with the Blade Runner. Uh, Jay will hold up Jeff and allow Juice to hit him with a fistful of quarters. The Guns will then hold up Matt, and as Juice is about to hit him, Ricky Starks would run down to make the save, but the numbers were too much for Ricky. Then FTR would come down to the ring, but the numbers were still not on their side until CM Punk would run down to the ring. Now it's a 4-on-4, and Bullet Club Gold and the Guns would retreat. Punk would throw out a challenge for an eight-man tag for Collision, and Jay White would agree. So on Collision, we are having Bullet Club Gold and the Guns going against CM Punk, FTR, and Ricky Starks. After this, we had a concession stand brawl between Jeff Jarrett and Mark Briscoe. Mark Briscoe would win the match by pinfall using a roll-up, and there was multiple cameos from different individuals. You had one from Papa Briscoe, you had one from Karen Jarrett, uh... Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, Best Friends, Christopher Daniels, and the Lucha Brothers. This was just a fun match, to be completely honest with you. And I'm glad they're allowing Mark Briscoe to do these fun matches here because they're still trying to find something for Mark to do since we all know he doesn't have his brother, uh, Jay Briscoe. And they're just putting Mark any and anywhere that they can. And I am enjoying that wholeheartedly, to be honest with you, because Mark is just... Mark was always the funny, loose guy of the tag team of him and his brother. So getting Mark to do these funny style of matches and be in these positions that we know that Mark could uh, excel at is just good to see. And it's just good to see Mark just be happy in AEW. It's still a shame that we don't have Jay, God rest uh, the dead. But hey, I'm glad AEW, Tony Khan, whoever is in charge is allowing Mark to have this time, and I'm glad that the people that are working with Mark Briscoe are having fun as well. Now, after this, we have a trios match of Minoru Suzuki, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara going against Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and A.R. Fox. Suzuki, Jericho, and Guevara would win the match by submission when Jericho would lock in the line table on Darius Martin and make him tap out. After the match, Renee would come in the ring and ask Jericho about his face-to-face with Sting last week. 
Chris would say that everyone was buzzing about their first ever encounter except for him. Chris would say that he knows who Sting really is, and that's someone who shows up to the highest bidder and calls Sting a whore. Chris would challenge Sting to a trios match at Forbidden Door, with Chris, Minoru, and Sammy going against Sting, Darby, and a partner of their own choosing. Sting and Darby would come down to the ring. Sting would tell Chris that he accepts his challenge. Darby would remind Chris that he has made enemies everywhere he has went, and they know the right guy to team up with. Chris would ask, who is it? Darby would tell Chris that he needs to watch Collision to find out, so you have to wait to Collision to see who's teaming up with Sting and Darby. Now, after this, we will have Adam Cole coming down to the ring. Adam would give credit to MGF for giving him a tough match last week. Adam would state that he didn't win, but MGF didn't win as well. Adam would call MGF a coward for not giving him five more minutes, and if he wants to go down as the greatest world champion, then he needs to face adversity, and that means giving Adam Cole a rematch, so Adam will call MJF down to the ring, and MJF will come to the ring. MJF will congratulate Adam on finding his old self, the Panama Playboy, the man that uh, MJF studied, and MJF will kind of pat himself on the back for pulling that out of Adam, and MJF would kind of patronize Adam when he said this one phrase. He would tell Adam that he feels that each man earned each other respect and as a friend because of Adam's head injuries, he feels that that rematch between these two, that'd be a no. Adam would tell MJF that he expected him to say that and he would suggest for them to fight right now. Now you see Adam getting MJF's face and it looks like MJF's about to back off. Tony Cervani would get up from his desk and tell both men that he has an announcement. Tony would mention a random drawing uh, tournament, tag tournament, that starts next week. Because earlier in the show, you saw Tony Cervani backstage with RJ City, and he pulled out two names out of this uh, machine. And the first name was Adam Cole, and his tag partner in this random drawing tag tournament will be MJF. Now, both men are not cool with this. They don't want to team up with each other. Then a video message from New Japan's Tanahashi would play and insist MGF to wrestle at Forbidden Door. MGF was going to turn that offer down again, but Adam Cole would start playing mind games with MGF, saying that MGF might feel that Tanahashi is better than him. That's why he doesn't want to face Tanahashi. Then he starts calling MGF a coward, and the fans will start chanting it. This will make MGF so upset that he agrees to the match with Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. So it has been made official. MGF will be at Forbidden Door to go against Tanahashi for the AEW World Championship. Now, after this next match up will be Orange Cassidy and Shibata going against Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. would win the match by pinfall when Shibata would hold Daniel. And Orange Cassidy will look to hit him with the orange punch, but Daniel Garcia would duck it, and Orange Cassidy would hit Shibata. Now, Shibata would get rolled up by Daniel Garcia. Zack Sabre Jr. would grab on to Orange Cassidy to make sure he wouldn't break up the pin, and that's how Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. would win the match. Now, it was made official that Orange Cassidy will be defending the International Championship at Forbidden Door in a fatal four-way against Shibata, Daniel Garcia, and Zack Sabre Jr. So we have that to look forward to at Forbidden Door. Next matchup, TBS Championship, Taya Valkyrie going against the champion Chris Statlander. Chris would win the match by pinfall by hitting Saturday Night Fever. 
on Taya to retain the TBS championship. Then we get to our main segment here, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is out here to talk because Eddie Kingston will be joining Hangman Page and the Young Bucks as they go against the Blackpool Combat Clubs, Moxley, Claudio, Yuta, Moxley's young boy, Shooter, Umino, and <laughs> Kanosuke Takeshita. So, Kingston's teaming up with the Bucks and Hangman, and you see this backstage vignette that they have. Kingston says, listen, I don't like you guys. I don't even respect you guys because of our past histories, but I don't like Claudio more. So, here's the deal. I'm going to team up with you guys, but I'm going to make the fifth pick of the team, and that's what we have here. Eddie's out here to list the fifth guy. But before he does this, he would reiterate that he doesn't like the Bucks, but he doesn't like Claudio even more. And he doesn't care if he's going to have a little bit of friction between Mox because you know him and Mox are still cool at the end of the day. Mox will come to the ring and Mox will get face to face with Eddie. Mox would tell Eddie that he's crossing a line. Eddie would tell Mox that Mox did that when he started teaming up with Claudio. And this dates back literally a whole year before because Claudio debuted at Forbidden Door taking the place of Brian Danielson when he was supposed to go against Zack Sabre Jr. And ever since then, Eddie's been having a problem with Moxley underlining because he's been siding with Claudio. So we get this. Eddie will introduce the fifth member of their team, which is Tomohiro Ishii. Then they will cut to Ishii on the entrance ramp. He's coming down the ring. And then you start seeing Moxley leave the ring as the Blackpool Combat Club's attacking Eddie. Ishii would run down to the ring, but the numbers were too much. And you start seeing Ishii and Eddie get beat up by Danielson and with Yuta. Now, Claudio takes care of Ishii. And no, Claudio takes care of Kingston. My bad. Ishii's on the ground. And Brian gets a microphone, and he's supposed to call out Okada. He says, I know Okada isn't here. He's too much of a chicken. So if he doesn't come out here, I'm going to just stop in Ishii's head. And as he's about to stop in Ishii's head, Okada's music would hit. The crowd would go crazy, and Okada would run down to the ring. Okada is handling both Yuta and Brian. Yuta is able to grab Okada and... Brian's looking to hit him with the Baseko knee, but Brian wouldn't miss, and he would hit Yuta. Now, Yuta gets hit with it. You see Okada grab Brian. He's looking to hit him with the Rainmaker, but Brian would leave and duck out of the ring. This will leave with Yuta just to eat the Rainmaker, and that's what happens. So, AEW Dynamite will end with Brian looking at Okada as Okada is just in the ring staring at Brian, and this is just to give people more hyped up to see their match at Forbidden Door. Now, the one thing I did take out of this whole segment here was that Moxley usually joins in on the beatdown of an individual. And it's usually Brian who doesn't really join. Brian's usually the puppeteer. He's usually in the back or on the commentary uh, table just watching as the beatdown is being happening. But it was the other way around here. Brian is doing the beatdown with the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club members, but you will see Moxley not join in. Moxley just dips and he just never be seen from again that night. And it's real interesting because you know the history of Mox and Kingston. They're boys from independent days up to now in AEW. They've been boys ever since since a long back. And it's going to play into something at their forbidden door. It's going to play into that five-on-five 
matchup where we might get Mox and Kingston in the ring with each other. Yes, will they be boxing and like brawling it out with each other like brothers will do? Yes. But when it comes down to it at the end of it, who's going to get the win and what's it going to cost the other person? That's that's what I'm trying to gather with this story that they're trying to tell with Moxley and Kingston and Claudio. Because I have a feeling Claudio might do something too far that Mox might have to look at Claudio a certain type of way. And that might start a little bit of dissension between the Blackpool Combat Club and Mox. But again, we have to wait and see at Forbidden Door, right? And with that all being said, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to Impact Wrestling. Impact will start off with a six-man tag. OVE, Sammy Callahan, Jay Chris, and Sawyer Fulton going against Brian Myers and the Good Hands. Brian and the Good Hands would win the match by a pinfall after getting a little bit of help from Moose. When Jake Chris was on the top turnbuckle, the referee wouldn't see Moose come down to the ring and push Jake off the turnbuckle. This would send Sawyer Fulton and Sammy Callahan to go after Moose, and this would make them miss Brian hitting Jake Chris with the roster cut and covering him for the win. Remember, last week, Brian Myers went to Moose after Moose lost it to Rich Swan, and he talked about them teaming up again. So this seems like Moose just accepting Brian's uh, olive branch. So we might be seeing Brian, Moose, and the good hands being one, at least at this time, uh, unit, until Moose decides to basically go by himself again, as he usually does. But for right now, Brian, Moose, and the good hands, that's kind of the group. After this, we would get Dirty Dango going against Bupinder Gujir. Dango would win the match by pinfall by hitting an inverted DDT after Gujir would miss hitting the gargoyle spear. Now, after the match, Dango would get a stagehand's phone and start recording a video on it. This will make Santino Morella come down to the ring, and Dango will leave the ring, only for Bupinder to throw him back in, and Santino would hit Dango with the Cobra. Remember, Dango was a guy that took out Santino a couple weeks ago, and Santino hasn't forgotten about it, so this was his revenge on Dirty Dango. Now, after this, we will have the designs, Khan and Angels with Diener in their corner, going against Jonathan Gresham and Mike Bailey in a tag team match. Gresham and Mike Bailey would win the match by pinfall, thanks to Diener. When Angels would hit Bailey with a Spanish fly, then decide to go up the top turnbuckle. Now, you will see Diener get on the apron and yell at Angels. This isn't a part of the plan, and he needs to finish Bailey. Angels will yell back, that's what I'm trying to do, so get down. Angels will go for his frog splash and miss. This will allow Bailey to hit Angels with a tornado kick, then finish him off with the ultimate weapon to win the match. So you can start seeing more of the cracks start to show in the foundation of the design between Angels and Diener. And to be completely honest, I could see Khan siding with Angels to take out Diener instead of Khan signing with Diener, to be completely honest, because since Diener has gotten into the leader position from uh, violence by design, Diener hasn't, he hasn't hit the stride the way that Eric Young did, and I think Diener is trying to become another Eric Young, and that's just where the character of Diener fails. He's always trying to be uh, the leader, but he's better known as just being the right-hand man to someone else. So I can see Khan signing with Angels and just taking out Diener. And we could probably see the return of another big man, probably Joe Doring, to help out Diener if Joe Doring's uh, cancer uh, situation is handled at the time. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. But cracks in the foundation of 
the design is showing and is showing big time. Now, after this, we'll get to a one-on-one matchup between Taylor Wilde, who will have Kylene King in her corner as she goes against Killer Kelly. Kelly would win the match by pinfall when Taylor would reverse out of the Killer Clutch. Taylor would go for a pinning maneuver, but Kelly would reverse it into her own pin, and that would get her the win. After the match, Taylor and Kylene King would attack Kelly from behind until Masha Slamovich would come down to the ring with chains in her hand. Masha will look at Kelly, then hit Kylene and Taylor Wilde with the chains. Kelly will join Masha and make Taylor and Kylen retreat to the back. Then you get this moment between Masha and Kelly just staring at one another. Masha would leave the ring when Kelly would try to extend her hand out. So you see a partnership starting to form between Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich after their uh, dog collar match that they had at against all odds. And you saw Masha basically give Killer Kelly her respect. So it seems that now that Kelly has uh, Masha's respect, probably we're going to get a tag team and probably going to win the uh, knockouts tag team titles away from the coven, but that's still some weeks away from now. But that's just my prediction. Next up, Digital Media Championship match. The champion Joe Hendry going against the challenger Yuya Yuromura with Kenny King and Sheldon Jean watching the match from ringside. Joe would win the match by pinfall by catching Yuromura and hitting him with the standing ovation, which is a uh, one-handed spine buster. For the win. After the match, Kenny King would grab the Digital Media Championship, get in the ring with Sheldon Jean by his side. Kenny would hand over the championship to Joe Hendry and let his intentions know that he is gunning for that championship. So Kenny King versus Joe Hendry is in the plans, but that'll probably happen at Slammiversary. Now off to the main event, tag team match. Bully Ray and Steve Macklin going against the team of Eddie Edwards and Kaz with Alicia Edwards in their corner. Bully Ray and Steve Maglin would win the match by pinfall, thanks in part to Eddie Edwards. When Kazarian would have Steve Maglin in the crossface chicken wing, and the referee was tied up with Bully because Bully tried to get in the ring to kind of break up the submission, uh, Eddie would go and look to hit a super kick on Steve Maglin, but he would hit Eddie Edwards. Now, Eddie would be surprised by hitting Kazarian, and Bully would steam past the ref, throw. Kazarian, well, not Kazarian, Eddie out of the ring. And then Steve Maglin and Bully would hit an inverted 3D on Kazarian to win the match. Now, here's my thing with this. Kazarian and Eddie Edwards, they've been having this uh, thing between the two. It went all the way up to against all odds. Kazarian would win the match. You see both of them kind of have their respect, but Kazarian's kind of playing it safe because he doesn't fully trust Eddie Edwards. Eddie would tell Kazarian earlier in the night that he has his back and he's not going to attack him. He's not going to turn on him. And he would say that he's putting that on their, well, wrestling coach, Killer Kowalski's grave. So Kazarian is going into this match with at least some type of trust because he puts, well, his word on their former trainer's grave. So that's what we have here. And with Eddie super kicking Kazarian, now is going to call the question, did he mean to do it? Did he not mean to do it? Because when you see the replay, there's no way Eddie could not have kicked Steve Macklin in the head because Steve Macklin was perfectly angled. Steve Macklin didn't duck his head, move his head, no nothing. Eddie just super kicked Kazarian right in the face. So I expect next week on Impact, we're probably going to get a segment with Eddie Edwards and Kazarian and with Cass talking about that he saw the replay and there's no way that 
Eddie missed that super kick to Macklin. So that's what I expect next week out of impact between those two. But this gives momentum to Bully Ray and Steve Macklin as they head into a tag team match against Scott Demore and PCO at Slammiversary. Now, with that being said, that's your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, we move over to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with the Usos coming to the ring. Jimmy will say that he feels good and ask Jay how he's feeling. Jay isn't feeling well because they are going to be fighting family. And Jay will go into this whole diatribe about the details of what a true family is supposed to do, how they're supposed to work. And he will say that he still loves Roman, that they still love Roman, and that they did everything Roman wanted them to do for the past three years. And what caused Roman's downfall, basically the bloodline downfall, was that Roman stopped giving them respect. They will say that they can forgive Roman because he's actually family. He's actually a part of the blood, unlike an outsider. And they're referring to Paul Heyman. They will call him a rat, a snake. They will say Paul has been pulling the strings and they can't stand it, even to the point that Paul tried to get brother to go against brother. So... You have this monologue from Jay. And Jay was the one that said that they can forgive Roman, which was interesting. Because Jay, you will always think he's going to be the one to turn on Roman. And when he did it last week, it felt cathartic. It felt great just to see the guy who's been manipulated, who's been messed with by Roman for these past three years to finally get his comeuppance. But for him to say that we still can forgive you, we still love you. I understand it's going to play into a big part at Money in the Bank, but just hear that, I'm like, okay. I'm hoping that it plays something. I'm hoping because I don't see how somebody can just forgive their abuser. Even if they're family, I just don't see how they can do it. But that's how powerful and how strong the family unit, the dynamic it is for the Usos. But that's what we have here. After they were going to this whole monologue, the Usos would say that at Money in the Bank, Roman and Solo are going to be facing the greatest tag team and that they will be entering the Usos penitentiary. So after this segment, we'll get done. We will go into our first match of the night. LA Knight going against Rey Mysterio. LA Knight would win the match by pinfall when Rey would try to counter a back suplex and land on his feet. This will allow LA Knight to hit the BFT for the win. And after the match, you will see LA Knight grab Ray, and he looks like he's about to do more damage, but Santos Escobar would run down to the ring, and LA Knight would leave the ring. So, again, this is further trying to get LA Knight as that guy that people love, and they want to see him win the money in the bank. Santos is just playing a supporting part to Ray for the LWO. I wonder when it's going to end, to be honest. LWO is good, is great, but when is Santos going to get at Ray? Because before they got into the LWO, before we had the mask uh, exchanging of Santos and Ray in the back, there was a situation with Ray and Santos last year in NXT. And Santos mentioned that he wanted to take Ray Mysterio's spot. So I don't know if we're getting close to that or we're just still trying to intertwine the Santos-Ray relationship to the point that when it gets to Santos turning on Ray it could finally get to Santos saying that I weaseled my way to trusting you, to taking your spot, and he gave Ray fair warning of that a year ago, and even, what, months ago, like in December or even November. So again, it's all interesting to when Santos is going to turn on Ray, but 
We'll have to wait and see with that, but LA Knight won the match here. He's still over. After this, we would go backstage to Solo Sokoa. Paul Heyman walking uh, backstage. Ridge would walk into uh, Solo. Ridge would say it was his bad, but Solo isn't feeling it tonight. Solo would drop Ridge with the quickness with the similar one spike. Then we would go to commercial break, and when we come back, Adam Pierce and the medics are looking at Ridge. Sheamus will walk up to them and tell Adam that he wants a match with Solo. Adam would tell Sheamus to let him handle it. Sheamus wouldn't have it. Sheamus would walk out onto the entrance stage and challenge Solo to a match in the main event, and it would be made official, so we have that set for later in the night. Now, next up was the Unified Women's Tag Team Championships, the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, and the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships with NXT Tag Champions, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn going against the Women's Tag Champions, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Ronda and Shayna will win the match by submission when Shayna had Alba Fire and Coquina Clutch and Ronda will have Isla Dawn in the armbar. Both ladies would tap out, so Ronda and Shayna or your unified Women's Tag Team Champions. After the match, uh, Ronda would get a mic and ask Raquel Rodriguez where she's going and why she's here. Oh yeah, Raquel, she was out here uh, at commentary table watching the match, and Raquel would tell Ronda that she's out here because she wants to have a rematch, but she used the term we. So Shayna would ask, who's we? Because we've beaten every tag team here, and then Liv Morgan's music would play. So Liv comes out, She's back with Raquel. Liv has been out all of May. So she's here. We're going to get a, a Raquel and Liv going against Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler match for the Unified Tag Team Championships somewhere down the line because for you to have that stare down between these two teams, you already know it's being set up. So it just hasn't given us a timeline for it yet, but you know it's coming. Now after this, we have the Grayson Waller effect with special guests pretty deadly. They will talk about facing Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn next week in London for the Tag Team Championships. Pretty Deadly would mention how they feel Kevin Owens and Sami aren't looking at them as credible uh, competitors. Pretty Deadly would mention how on their debut last year they won Tag Team Championship Gold, how they have unified championships, and they feel that they are going to be the next Tag Team Champions. Pretty Deadly would then talk about how last week they endured the tag gauntlet and start naming the names they got eliminated in the gauntlet. And they will talk about how LWO was in it, but they got eliminated. Brawling Brutes, they got eliminated. Uh, Hit Road, they got eliminated. And then when it came down to the Street Profits name, the Profits will come out. They will say that Pretty Deadly are still new and they haven't been properly introduced to the smoke. So we would get a match between the two teams. Pretty Deadly would win said match by pinfall when Kit Wilson would toss Montez Ford off the top turnbuckle and Elton Prince would get off Angelo Dawkins' shoulders. Angelo would look at Kit and Elton would take this time to roll up Angelo and place his feet on the ropes to secure the win for Pretty Deadly. So this gives Pretty Deadly momentum as they go into their tag matchup against Kevin Owens and Sammy for the tag titles next week. Now, after this, we have Charlotte Flair going against Lacey Evans. Charlotte would win the match by submission, but locking in the figure eight. And there was one thing in here that she did that I found cheering and adoring. Uh, Charlotte, she hit her husband's pose 
her husband, Andrade El Idolo, who works in AEW, she hit his uh, Tranquilo pose, and the camera made sure they got it. And I find that adoring because on Collision, Andrade, he beat Buddy Matthews with the figure eight. And for Charlotte to pay that forward and recognize her husband on WWE television, it just felt nice to see. Anyway, after the match, Charlotte wouldn't let go of the figure eight. Asuka would attack Charlotte with a sliding uh, kick to the face, then start brawling and beating up on uh, Charlotte. And again, this is still just to perpetuate their matchup next week in London for the Women's World Championship. So we got that here. Cool. Now off to the main event, Solsico with Paul Heyman going against Sheamus. This match would get thrown out because of Solo's anger. Solo would hit Sheamus with a Samoa Spike, then send him out of the ring. Solo would follow and hit Sheamus with a Uranagi on the commentary table. Sheamus would be so drained at this point that he'll be slumped over next to the barricade. Solo would run over and smash the barricade with a running hip attack, and this would make the referee call for the bell. Now, Adam Pierce and medical officials will come down to the ring to check on Sheamus, but Solo Sokoa would pull the medics off of Sheamus and start attacking the medics. Now, the Usos will come out. Solo will meet the Usos in the ring, and now you just see a 2-on-1 beat down. The Usos beating up on Solo. They would knock Solo out with double super kicks, and they would proceed to leave the ring. Paul Heyman would come in to check in on Solo. You see the Usos turn around, see this. They will run back into the ring, and Paul will leave out of the ring quickly because he doesn't want to get touched. And then you will see Solo start getting on his knees to recollect himself. The Usos would hit Solo again with another pair of double super kicks, then go to different turnbuckles and hit double Uso splashes on Solo Sokoa. Now, that's how SmackDown will end, and we're still going on with the civil warfare that's going on within the actual bloodline of Roman Solo going against the Usos. That match is made official for Money in the Bank, and everybody can't wait to see it. And also, Roman Reigns, he will be appearing on SmackDown next week in London, so we have that. And more than likely, we're probably going to get one more stare down between all four of these guys, and probably even a quick little brawl between all four of them. That's at least what I think should happen, but we'll have to see what happens next week on SmackDown. Now with that, that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we go over to AEW Rampage. We'll start off with an eight-man tag. Chaos's Chuck Taylor, Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta, and Show going against United Empires, Will Ospreay, Kyle Fletcher, and Jeff Cobb with Swerve Strickland as their partner. The United Empire and Swerve would win the match by pinfall when Will Ospreay would hit Show with the hidden blade to win the match. Again, Will Ospreay, momentum going into Forbidden Door for the IWGP United States Championship. So that's all that's building up for uh, Will Ospreay. And also, Swerve, he gets some momentum as he goes into collision going against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, after this, we have Adam Cole coming down to the ring. And before Adam Cole could even get done with his entrance, before he can hit his pose, MGF will interrupt. MGF will come out on the entrance stage. MGF will mockingly tell Adam that he appreciates him for giving him the courage to accept Hiroshi Tanahashi's challenge for Forbidden Door. So MGF is here to repay the favor. He said that he talked to Tony Khan and he got Adam Cole a match on Forbidden Door and it's against Filthy Tom Lawler. Now, once he said Filthy Tom Lawler's name, 
Tom Lawler would come out from the crowd and attack Adam Cole from behind with his boy Royce Isaacs. Now, as both of these guys are putting the boots to Adam Cole, MJF would mockingly again say that he's coming down to help uh, Adam Cole. And he would start telling Adam, I'm coming, I'm coming. And he would say that that he got to take off one piece of article of clothing, uh, the watch, slowly. He does that, and he starts walking down to the ramp, but then he stops and says, well, I don't want to get my uh, scarf dirty. So he hands the scarf off to the cameraman. And once he gets in the ring, you see Filthy Tom and Royce Isaacs leave the ring. And it seems that they're on the payroll of MGF, obviously, because once MGF got in the ring, he says, oh, my God, I almost made it just in time. I almost made it. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Again, like a douche. So we have that here. MGF, he got Adam Cole a match at Forbidden Door just to be a douche and just to repay back Adam Cole for kind of sticking his nose into MGF's business. So that's what we have here for this. Now, after this, we had a trios matchup of the acclaimed going against uh, some unknown guys. The acclaimed, by the way, is teamed up with Billy Gunn. That's what I mean by trios. Acclaim that Billy Gunn will win the match when the Acclaim would hit the arrival and the mic drop for the win. Then after the match, you would start getting hijinks from uh, QT Marshall's like secretary would come out here with two guys in a mask. And this is all just blatantly like a setup for QT Marshall and Aaron Solo to come out and try to get the Acclaim away from Billy Gunn in the middle of the ring to have one of the guys take off their mask and it would be Johnny TV or better known as Johnny Mundo, or better known as uh, Johnny Nitro, or better known as John Morrison, the man of many John and what's-his-name at the end of his last name. So, John Morrison, Johnny TV, Johnny Nitro, however you want to know him as, he would attack Billy Gunn, and you will see the acclaim get laid out by Johnny and QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. So it seems to me that Johnny is a part of QT Marshall's group. So now QT has QT, Aaron, Will Hobbs, and now Johnny TV in this group. And I'm not mad at it because why not? You have more groups in your uh, sh- like shows, aka more people get exposed on TV, either being their corner guy or you get backstage segments of beat up segments or just to come around just to talk. Hey Amen. More exposure to talent on TV. I'm not mad at that. Now, next up, quarterfinals of the Owen Hart Women's Tournament. Anna Jay with 2.0 in her corner, going against Sky Blue. Sky would win the match by pinfall by hitting Code Blue for the win. So she advances to the semifinals of the Women's Owen Hart Tournament. And in the tournament, you would have uh, Britt Baker going against Ruby Soho. You have Nyla Rose going against Willow Nightingale. That will happen on Collision. And on the pre-show of... Ben Dory, you're going to have Athena going against Billy Starks. And for the men for the Owen Hart uh, tournament, you have CM Punk going against Kojima. That's a Japan legend. That's going to happen at Ben Dory. You have Samoa Joe going against Roderick Strong. You have Dustin Rose going against Powerhouse Hobbs. And you have Ricky Starks going against Juice Robinson. And that's all for the men's Owen Hart tournament. So that uh, culmination, that tournament will continue on for the next spans of these weeks. Now off to the main event, we will have Jungle Boy going against Doki, who will have Kinemaru in his corner. 
Jungle Boy will win the match by submission by locking in Cold Skull on Doki and make Doki tap out. For people that are unaware, Cold Skull is basically a dragon sleeper on their opponent. And this is the finisher, or used to be finisher, of uh, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sonata. The same man who Jungle Boy will be going against Afro Bendor for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So this was basically pulling Sonata's punk card. And once the match got done, Sonata will come out with the IWGP Championship. He would meet Jungle Boy face-to-face. And you would just see Sonata lift up the IWGP Championship in front of uh, Jungle Boy to further promote their upcoming match at Forbidden Door. And that's how Rampage would end. So with that, that's your Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And before I get out of here, I want to get my predictions for Forbidden Door. Since Forbidden Door is Sunday, uh, let's start off with the predictions. Adam Cole going against uh, Tom Mahler. Adam Cole is going to win that. Clear, cut, and dry. Tony Storm going against Willa Nightingale for the AEW Women's World Championship. Tony Storm. Fatal 4-Way for the AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre Jr., Shibata, or Daniel Garcia. I can see Orange Cassidy still retaining his championship. I don't put it past Tony to probably have what a Zack Sabre Jr. or Shibata probably win the title. I think they're going a different route with Daniel Garcia, to be completely honest. If they give it to Daniel Garcia, I'll be happy with it too because Daniel Garcia has been entertaining me with his little dance that he does from time to time in the ring just to uh, egg on his opponents and just to mock them. So I wouldn't be mad if Daniel Garcia wins it. But if I had to put money down, I'd say Arch Cassidy. And the quarterfinals of the Owen Hearts men's tournament, CM Punk going against uh, Kojima, CM Punk's going to win. Clear, cut, and dry. And we'll have to wait and see who Punk's going to go against. After that, 10-man tag. Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley with Yuta and Claudio Cascioli teaming up with uh, Kanosuke Takeshita and Shuta Umino going against the Elites, Hangman Adam Page. The Young Bucks teaming up with Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii. Ugh. This was our one. I want to say uh, Blackpool Combat Club. I want to say they're going to win this, to be honest, because you got a firecracker like Eddie Kingston. He already says he don't like the Bucks. He already says he don't like... Hangman, but he says he don't like Claudio even more, but if you got three people that you're teaming with that you don't like, I can see that being a bigger problem than that one specific person that you really hate on the opposite end, because your teammates might piss you off in Eddie Kingston, he's known for being a firecracker like that, so I say we'll give it to Blackpool Comic Club and uh, Takesha and Umino here. Six-man tag, Suzuki... Uh, Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho going against Sting, Darby, and a partner that has not been announced yet. I give it to Sting, Darby, and their mystery partner. Um, Sting, I don't remember him losing a match yet in AEW. He probably has. I just don't remember it. But it's going to be the introduction or reintroduction of someone. So I don't see AEW doing them like that or doing that person dirty like that. So I say Sting, Darby, and their uh, mystery partner's going to win their matchup there. Uh, the AEW World Championship, MGF going against Tanahashi. MGF is winning that. I don't know what type of match we're getting between MGF and Tanahashi, to be honest. I think MGF knows how to pull an entertaining matchup, and I think Tanahashi's going to do his best, but that's a quirky one to me. I just don't know how that's going to pull off, but MGF's retaining his title. After that, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, Sonata, Jungle Boy. I think that's going to be one of the sleeper matches people don't uh, have faith in Jungle Boy to have a good match with Sonata. 
I think that's going to be a sleeper. I think people are going to really be uh, really shocked and entertained by the match that Sonata and Jungle Boy actually pulled together. But Sonata is going to retain his uh, championship. Now, here's the conundrum. Do we put Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega as the main event, or do we put Brian Danielson and Okada as the main event? I think they're going to go with Brian Danielson and Okada as the main event. So that's what I'll end it off with. So Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. This is Will Ospreay's get back from Kenny taking the belt from him at Wrestle Kingdom. So I think Will Ospreay is going to beat Kenny here in Kenny's hometown. And this is his home country. So I think Will Ospreay is going to do that the same way that Kenny took the belt away from Will in his home promotion in Japan. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Will Ospreay is going to win the IWGP United States Championship. And we're going to get their rubber match somewhere down the line. And I think after the match, we're going to get a surprise appearance. From someone that hasn't been on AEW Dynamite in such a long time. They'll probably set up a match at All In. I think we're going to get a surprise appearance from Pac, to be honest. I think Pac is going to come out and he's going to challenge Osprey to a match at All In. And since it's in London, you got two guys that are Brits. And I think that's going to help out the selling ability over there for AEW, to be honest. And if not, I just want to see Will Osprey going against Pac, to be honest. I know they already had a match in the Independence before Pac came over to AEW, but I would like to see them do it again, especially with this new evolved version of Will Ospreay, so hopefully we get that, but if we don't, Will Ospreay is still winning the IWGP United States Championship away from Kenny. Now main event, Brian Danielson going against Okada, and now this is where I get real, real tested here. Do we give Brian Danielson a win and have Okada eat a loss to Brian? Because I don't think Okada will have a problem with it, or do we have Okada win and have Brian lose? Because I don't think Brian will have a problem with it at all. I think this is just going to be a straight banger of a match. And to be completely honest, I wouldn't mind who's going to win and who's going to lose. I don't I don't mind it at all. So this is just a toss-up, so I'm just going to pick one. Uh, Okada. Okada's going to win. He's going to beat Brian Danielson. Ta-da. If that doesn't happen, hey, I don't care. I think both guys are great. So there you go. But Okada. Okada beats Brian, and I think probably out of the fact you get uh, Blackpool Comic Club coming out to beat up on Okada. Kenny tries to make the save. The Elite try to make the save. And maybe, just maybe, we get the uh, introduction of Kota Ibushi here. Maybe, but that's just wishful thinking. But we'll have to wait and see. But I think Forbidden Door this uh, Sunday is going to be great. I hope everybody goes out there to check it out any way that you can. But that's my prediction for Forbidden Door. Now, with all that being said, it's time for me to get you guys out of here. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Please be safe. Some places are raining. Some places are not. If it's not raining, hey, have a good time. Enjoy your people. Enjoy yourself. And relax if you can. But with that, I do have a Sunday episode coming out tomorrow. Please check that out. If you did not listen to the Wednesday Midweek Breakdown, go check that out as well. But anyhow, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I, not him. I love you all, I thank you, and I'll see you guys later.